Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Months. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today, I'm joined by Alexis Pierce, soul strategist, life purpose expert, and inner peace activist. She helps people live on purpose with peace, presence, and joy. She has an incredible background, so I'll leave it to her to tell you more. But thank you for joining us, Alexis, and tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Thank you. And actually, I, I would say the one thing I do is hold people through transitions, so that was perfect. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, long story short, I used to work for the U.S. government as a as a strategist, a high-level strategist, and helped create coherent responses to complex crises, whether that was a country in the middle of war or falling apart or, or a massive complex domestic crises, like a, you know, a massive hurricane or something like that. So basically, how do we actually get effective solutions and outcomes from really, really difficult situations? And it was amazing. It was everything I ever hoped for. And instead of taking 45 years, it took four. And I sat there (laughs) and went, I didn't think I was supposed to accomplish my purpose in my lifetime. I thought it was something you just kind of kept working to. Yeah, you worked towards the day you died, yeah, right? You never, you never fulfill it. But all of a sudden, everything I'd ever had on my checklist of this would be my lifelong dream was done. And so I, I went into a bit of a tailspin, like an inner, you know, what, what feels like a breakdown, but is actually a breakthrough. Right. <laughs> feels like a breakdown. <laughs> uh, and so I awesome. went through one of those dark nights of the soul and tried to figure out, well, what is my purpose? I was really lucky that I got to leave my career, my, my career in the government. I moved to New Zealand and lived on a mountain by myself for a while, you know, stereotypical story. Um, <laughs> and the the problem with moving to a mountain in the middle of nowhere is that I was still there. And it turned yeah. out it wasn't the job or the places or the people or family dynamics or relationship problems. It was all within me. And so I got to face that um rudely (laughs) by myself and and then yeah exactly and and then spent the next basically the next the last 12 years really diving into okay well how do we find a place of of true purpose how do we find a place of deeper joy um and feeling like we can make a meaningful contribution to the world without sacrificing ourselves and and our own sense of of happiness and and enjoyment of life so that's what I've been doing. And, and it it started me into coaching and using the strategic planning process that I helped create with individuals and because individuals are super complex. So it was a really yeah. great fit. <laughs> and that's how I got here. Yeah, there was actually uh, funny because one of the questions you kind of just answered it. I was saying, tell us about your journey from being a government strategist to becoming a strategic coach um, and what led you to the transition. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what led me. It it was interesting because when I was in New Zealand, I started just helping friends who owned businesses with vision-based planning since that's what I was trained in. And the more I helped people who were individual owners of businesses, the more I realized that, hey, there's a vision showing up here that's not the vision of, 
I want a white picket fence and a house in Malibu. It was something much bigger. And the more I spoke with people, the more I realized we were tapping into what I now call the soul's vision, which transcends our sort of individual lives it in, and, and moves into a space of universal truths and what what we really see is possible in the world. So basically, I just used a strategic planning framework and stumbled into having a conversation with the soul. Um, it's pretty remarkable. And each one of us carries, the, it's like a movie that's playing inside our own heads of how we know life could be. And we feel that because every now and then we hit up against something in this reality that we share. And we're like, that's not fair. That's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> and it's so shocking in that moment, right? Of like, wait, this is not right. And it's because in our individual, like soul-based reality, it isn't right. It's not how it's meant to be. And all of our decisions I've discovered are actually based on that soul's vision. And that's led us into career paths. It's led us into relationships. It's even led us into some of the deepest traumas that we may have had because we're exploring the shadow side of right. what we know is possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. People just, you know, there's, you know, it's almost with anything. People just think, oh, life is what it is. It's such a complex, you know, thing that if you don't, you know, most of us don't know how to navigate through it all. So having that outside person to help is like truly, um, you know, necessary. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe yeah, I view the, the shadow, like the, the sort of mucky, painful, awful side. Right. As the, it's the biggest invitation. And most of us think that invitation is to feel terrible and see evidence that we are actually awful, broken, horrible people. <laughs> but there's another <laughs> invitation in there and it's to claim the opposite of it. So if I feel unworthy, that's right. actually an opportunity for me to really dig deep and find a place within me that I choose to feel worthy. Right. And so some of those deepest fears that we have that maybe we're unlovable or we can't communicate with people or we don't have deep connections, um, some of those deep, deep fears and wounds that we have that have been reiterated throughout our lives because right. the soul is always trying to get you to get the message. Right. right. But not because there's a lesson, but because they, they it, the soul's trying to invite you into claiming the truth. And when we realize, oh, actually, I am connected, I am lovable, I am yeah. enough, then all of a sudden we start to radiate our on a much more brilliant level, and yeah. the game of life changes. That's beautiful. Now tell me, many people might not be familiar with the term strategic soul coach, strategic soul coach. So can you explain what it, what this means and how it combines elements of strategy with more personal and spiritual development? Yeah, thank you for that. Um you know, I think the soul, if we think about it in planning terms, there's a vision, there's goals, there's actions you take to achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. So you would imagine that on an individual level, the soul is pretty much the vision, like it's the big stuff. <laughs> and then there's our human desires and the things that we want. And then there's the actions we take every day. And, and so for me, so often we're taking actions because we're really good at doing stuff. Right. Humans are amazing at doing <laughs> But we're not always amazing at connecting the doing to who we actually are and what we're actually going for in life. And for me, the classic example is every New Year's when people join the gym and then, <laughs> and then you know, come March and they're like, like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and I have this conversation every year with people. I'm like, well, why, what is your goal here? Like, what is it right. you're actually trying to achieve? And it's like, oh, I just, I really want to feel free. And and unlimited in my body. And I'm like, well, maybe for you, freedom comes from deep conversation. 
maybe for you, freedom comes from connection and community, right? So maybe joining a club or a church is a better way to get there than joining the gym. So it's it, for me, the strategic part comes in with are our daily actions actually aligned with our deeper truth and who we want to be and become and how we want to feel. Um, so I bring in a lot of planning pieces mm-hmm. sort of behind the scenes. Nobody needs to have the, the jargon <laughs> of planning. Right. Um, but to me, so much of the trouble that we have with with feeling happy and with feeling like we've successfully lived as humans has to do with just basic planning. Like, are our actions leading to where we want to go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's tricky because, you know, everybody has their own version. So people say, well, everything happens for a reason or you're here to learn a lesson. Well, we don't know. Life didn't come with a manual. We don't know what the answer is. So everybody's looking for a meaning for why this bad stuff happens. And they just assume like everybody, like some people say, well, you inherited your parents. Like everybody has their own version of what's going on. And I think at the end of the day, everybody just wants to be happy. They're like, okay, if I'm not happy, why? Or bad stuff always happens to me. Nothing good ever happens to me. But why? You know, there's ways around that. But people just throw their hands up in the air and say, it just, yeah. that's just what it is. It doesn't have to be, though. You know, and sometimes you need that outside person to help guide you because you don't see it. You know, Exactly. Yeah, for me, I, I, I genuinely believe that the process of life well, at least from my experience and seeing with clients that the process of life is is a process of empowerment. And mm-hmm. when we feel helpless and disempowered and like life is happening to us, that's a pretty horrible feeling. And there's nothing wrong with those horrible feelings as long as at some point we pull that, what, what is that little thing with the rock? Yeah. As long as at some point we pull that slingshot so far back that it propels us into empowerment. Because... I just, I just can't fathom, I just can't fathom a life in which we're meant to feel terrible. I mean, I see a lot of people like that and it's, you know, one person I know, it's just, that's their entire life, you know, so they've just become this miserable person because what's, what's good to be happy about? It's like, oh, it's not to be that way, you know, but they don't know the way out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I love to borrow from the 12 step program that you, you, you can't, you can't, hit somebody's rock bottom for them. So we have to go, sometimes we have to go so deep into that dark emotion. And I call it the dark fuel, right? Because it's dark. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. It is dark, but it's fuel. If you allow it to hit that point where you're like, "Mm -mm, this is not who I am and what I meant to be like. And then you're you're unstoppable or you're at least you're on the path. You're on the pathway. (laughs) Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that empowered space and of creating your own meaning. Yeah. Now tell me in your work, you emphasize building the capacity for joy. So why do you think it's an important aspect for successful individuals and what practices can people incorporate into their daily lives to enhance their joy? Awesome. Um, you know, I think most of us are really busy. We're going through the daily tasks of life and some of those daily tasks we feel resentful about. <laughs> secretly or not secretly (laughs) and some of those um some of those we just feel okay about but very few of our daily tasks do we feel excited about um and there's nothing wrong with that that's just sort of how we've developed our lives and shaped our lives um but the beauty of joy is that it creates an entirely new energy for us and so especially with so many people facing burnout with so many people facing 
that secret fear that they spent their entire lives working and what was the point, um, which most people have, even if we don't talk about it. Um, you know, those are really big, scary thoughts. And the the benefit of having a bigger capacity for joy is that we start to wake up to our own sort of liveliness, our own, um, it's kind of like a energy that feeds itself. So when we start thinking about joy as a way of being, not like, oh, I heard a great joke or let me go to an amusement park, right? Because we're not talking about joy in doing, we're talking about joy as a way of being. Um, and, and when we start to feed ourselves with that energy of joy, that's just for us, that's just so that we feel better about the way that we are on an everyday basis, then we just get a little bit more energy and a little bit more connection and a little bit more love. Because when you expand a capacity for one thing, they all go mm-hmm. together. Um, Brene Brown has an you know amazing research on that about how you can't block out shame because then you block out joy. All the emotions go together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for me, the biggest piece is to is to avoid burnout, to stay connected to yourself. And one of my favorite practices, um, actually wrote a journal about it in the background there, um, is to every day start to train your mind for joy. And one of the ways to do that is to say, you know, today's the first day of the rest of your life, because it genuinely is, as scary mm-hmm. as that might be. How are you going to celebrate? And when we think about celebration, so many of us think, um, you know, champagne or massage or something ridiculous, you know, big. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. It might be oh, actually, I don't spend a single second of the day thinking about my own pleasure. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's I had a fresh strawberry and I actually tasted it. Right. Maybe it's I looked out the window. And the goal there isn't to pressure ourselves mm-hmm. to have to do more, mm-hmm. but to claim something in life just for you. Yeah. Because you want to put you back into your life. And when you do that, the joy starts to increase. That's nice. And people don't realize, like, you know, and it is true. People, you know, it's kind of like what people say, um, you know, someone who's struggling financially. Well, you know, like, say, law of attraction, you have to think positive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, how do I, I like, dead up to hear how? So it's hard for someone who's having a miserable life to find joy in anything. But like you say, you have to start small. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. It's not like, you know, you might have mortgage payments you can't pay or rent. And it's not like, oh, where am I finding joy in that? But you know what? You're not sleeping in the street on a freezing cold day. There's something positive here. You just have to start small. And, you know, I, I think people just always need a reminder on that. Because life, in reality, it sucks a lot of times. You know, but there, <laughs> there is, you know, you there's always something to be, you know, happy or positive or grateful for. You know, the sun shines, you know, or, or it's a rainy, miserable day, you know. But look at the flowers that have bloomed. Like we just had a family event this weekend and the weather initially was beautiful. And all of a sudden the skies opened to a monsoon. But you know what? It was so funny. Everybody's scrambling. So, yeah, that part sucked, but it was funny. You know I mean? And it brought everybody into one little section because now we all had to run inside. It's like, all right, hi, everybody. You know, so <laughs> you find the positive and stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah. And feeling like we're used to feeling bad. We know how to have aches and pains and headaches <laughs> and all of that, right? We know how right. to do that really well. Yeah. <laughs> And then we go into work and we're just up here and we're thinking our way through our day and we're thinking our way through our relationship with our kids and through our relationship with our spouse, but we're not necessarily feeling. And when we talk about joy, it actually invites us to come right back into the body 
that's the beauty of something like having to race around for the rain because all of a sudden you're not thinking you're doing right, and you're right. in the body and you're right here and you feel all of that excitement and and then you're close to people and you're feeling their bodies near right. you I mean not literally but you know, yeah, yeah. Sense that. um and and yeah most of us are so disconnected but but joy happens in the moment joy happens yeah. in the body in this moment in this experience and we have to retrain that because we just forgot how to do it yeah, because I think present. Yeah, because people just do everything on autopilot. You know, they're yeah. going to work, they're going home, they're cooking meals, they're doing this, and then they go to bed. And if you just sat and said, "Well, you know, what exactly? Like, what time is it when this happened? Or what?" You're just kind of like, I don't know. It just it is what it is. I just ran and did this, you know. But if you can stop and take a moment or have somebody even point out and just say, you know, when you were cooking this, how did that feel? You know, I mean, the, the grease spatter splattered on my hand that hurt. The sun was just shining as I was driving home. Whatever. You know, I mean, there's just, you don't pay attention because we're just on autopilot. And that's, next thing you know, 20 years went by and you're like, wow, what the heck just happened? You know, so. <laughs> right. And that to me is, is, a, is an upsetting feeling and one that I think we can avoid. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now, what are some common barriers that successful people face in finding a true purpose beyond their job descriptions? And how do you help them overcome these barriers? Well, I think one of, one of the biggest things um, when it comes to purpose is I have a basically a radical 180 approach to it. And I think meaning that purpose, the way that I approach it and the way I've, I've just over the last 10 years been learning with it is that it's more about a way of being than it is about doing. Right. And so this cult of productivity that we are all invested in. In the U.S. in particular, but other countries as well, it really it overlooks the value of being, mm -hmm. and we we wear these masks, right? So when we go into a workplace, we put on that work mask, and sometimes mm -hmm. that's great because that mask includes confidence mm -hmm. and a feeling of achievement, and I know this, and I've got this, mm -hmm. and sometimes that mask shuts down all of our actual self and how we really feel and mm -hmm. and what's really going on for us and mm -hmm. so there's it's sort of a double-edged sword um and so when when we're doing and doing and doing but not ever giving consideration to how we're being that really gets in the way for me uh, and with clients of of being able to feel like you're living a purposeful and meaningful life because you keep shutting off who mm -hmm. you are Right. You keep shutting off your actual lifeness mm -hmm. to play a role. Right. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, it's how we all learn. But when we see the difference between them, we can realize like, oh, yeah, that's me playing a role, but I'm shutting out parts of me. And so how can I take the best parts of me and actively choose a role without mm -hmm. shutting down right. or overlooking or ignoring and permanently pushing to the side stuff mm -hmm. that's really true and real for me? Um, so yeah, for me, my favorite way of thinking about purpose is that it's a way of being and you embody, this is going to sound a little strange for people, but basically like, you know, the, the earth is circular. There's a North pole and a South pole. So each one of us has this beautiful essence that is the key to our soul's vision. Mm -hmm. And that essence has a really good feeling side and a really dark feeling side. And we are here to embrace all of it, but mm -hmm. to use all of that dark feeling stuff to empower ourselves back to the light. And the cool thing is, is that almost everybody feels 
our purpose radiating from us, right? If you ask the closest people to you, they'd probably say, oh my gosh, she's so great. And I always feel so this around her. And people just naturally feel the essence that we hold. But we're living on the inside. We're living on the shadow side in in the darkness and here being like, oh my God, I'm the worst. And you know, all the the dark thoughts about him. And then because we're afraid of those fears, we just start doing and we do and we do and we do. And so to me, the biggest hurdle in actually living a, a, a more fulfilling life in relation to your purpose is being willing to look at those, to stop doing, right. <laughs> look at the tough feelings and realize they're not trying to prove that you're broken. They're just trying to be that dark fuel that propels you into really owning how magnificent you are. Mm-hmm. And like, not in like a, not in like a, let's all circle and sing way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> but in the, because I, I know there's a lot of eye rolls happening right now. <laughs> um, and it's not in that way. It's that in, you know, so often we talk about, this is going to be a little tiny diversion, but so often we talk about humbleness and humility and people interpret that as holding back, as not talking about our full gifts. But for me, we're all part of a big puzzle. And if we're not fully expanding into the gifts that we've been given, then we can't really plug into the puzzle and be part of the fabric of life that we're here to play. And I know for me, if I had a choice between a surgeon who was like, well, I guess, I mean, I'm okay. I d- I've done it a couple of times. It's all right. And a surgeon that's like, yep, practice. I've done it. I've done the surgery a hundred times. We've got you. Don't worry about it. I know which one I would choose. Right. Right. right? <laughs> so like, let's think about humility as being so in like gifting ourselves so much of our own gifts that we can actually be of service. Right. Because when we hold back, we're not being of service. And so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the barriers that get in the way of purpose. Doing, mm-hmm. doing, doing, and not fully claiming mm-hmm. that you have gifts that you've been given and, and that you've practiced and that you've mastered and that fully giving those is actually service and not arrogance. Right. And it gets um, a little tricky because, I mean, you know, I've talked to other, you know, therapists and things like that and a lot of stuff, you know, it's kind of tricky where like you, everybody was raised differently. So you might be that kid who was just shut up, go in your room, don't even talk to me. Kids, kids are seen and not heard, blah, blah, blah. Or you'll never amount to anything, blah, blah, blah. You know, and this is just pretty much what you were born raised, uh, raised thinking and believing. So some people just would never even think like, well, I could be special because I was told my entire life that I'm a nothing, I'll never be anything. And that's just who I am. So getting someone to say, but you are worthy and then like dragging them out almost, that's a challenge in and of itself because you could have people 40, 50 years thinking one thing and now trying to say, you know, you've been holding back for so long. You're just like exploding at the seams. You could be great and really getting them to understand that. I mean, it could be a huge turnaround, but you know, so I agree with you hundred percent. People have to, you know, embrace the good and the bad and realize that, but it's like, sometimes there's such a hurdle to even get them to that point. But, you know, people need to realize that you do have options, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. One of the titles I I use for myself, not publicly, is professional arguer. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it works. Yeah. Somebody has a moment of truth and then the mind goes, yeah, but. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah, but. And and it's like, yep, the yeah, buts are all part of the process because the nervous system and the the way that we've been previously is now embedded in our literal way of being in the nervous system. And so when we go to make a transition, it's not just affirmations in the mind. 
because we have to work with the body and we have to work with the emotions. All three of them, the mind, the body, and the emotions go together. And it doesn't really matter which one you work with, but you got to think about all of them. Right. And, and move them forward. So the one thing I will say, and I hope people hear this as a, as a moment of hope, is that the reason those things feel so bad is because deep down you know they're not true. Mm -hmm. If you thought they were true, like your mind is telling you, your mind is telling you they're true, but if they feel bad, they're not true. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that the mind, um, it's almost like it doesn't understand what happened, what didn't happen. It just goes by program sake. So like okay. if you... It was kind of like people were saying visualize something, like like they say athletes. Athletes will visualize themselves um, winning a game. The mind doesn't understand it hasn't happened yet. And yeah. then they did another test where working out. So you had people who worked out, lifted all this weight, and then other people who visualized working out, lifting those weights, and someone who did nothing. So maybe the person who was lifting the weight physically might have increased their muscle mass 50%. The person who visualized it increased it 35%, even though they didn't lift anything. And then obviously the people who did nothing, nothing happened. But the mind is super powerful and it doesn't understand what what's real and what's not. It only understands what it was told. So really getting people to understand that you can change this, you can fix it because it's not real. You know, what you believe isn't real, you know, and like yeah. you say, go with the feeling because it's almost like your subconscious is trying to tell you, no, don't listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I do with because i'd rather i'd rather work with the mind you know it's easier just sit here and have a conversation and it's right. fun and it's like, but, but we've got to work with the body and and one of the biggest things is is stopping long enough to feel the discomfort because what we're feeling the nervous system says i'm in danger and the mind is like okay let me find something to worry about right let me find <laughs> something to stress about yeah let me get mad about this oh this person did that you know the mind is like let me rationalize what my nervous system is telling me mm -hmm. But if we catch the feelings come up and we don't rationalize it and we just stay with the feelings, then we have this moment where we can discern between discomfort and danger. Mm -hmm. And it's uncomfortable to realize that the body is freaking out and in anxiety because that's what we learned. But it's not going to kill you. Right. You feel like it's going to kill you, but it's not going to kill you. Right. And if we learn how to breathe through it, if we learn how to be present with those tough feelings, they mm -hmm. don't last longer than a minute. Mm -hmm. But that's a really scary minute, especially if we're not used to being present with the body's mm -hmm. feelings. Right. We're used to just getting out of the mind. Right. Avoid it. Avoid it. Avoid it. Um, but yeah, if we can be present for those moments, we start to break the cycle. And when we break that cycle in our reactivity, we have the opportunity to to make responses instead of reactions. Mm -hmm. And then we're in we're in a situation that just feels so much more fruitful because we get to choose our life from that point. Right. Which is powerful in and of itself. Yeah. You know, you made that choice and you changed it. You know, something didn't yeah. so no one else did it for you. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. And we can change family dynamics. I mean, all of us have some dynamic in a relationship that we don't love. Right. <laughs> and that's how we change it. Right. We feel yeah. that thing come up and we're like, nope, this is why people say take 10 breaths, count to 10. Yeah. Take 10 right? <laughs> and all it is is realize that reaction is in you. Right. It's in you. It's happening in you. And your mind is telling you to do it, but you don't have to. It's yeah. just a nervous system response. That's good. <laughs> now let's see authenticity is often a buzzword but it's also deeply meaningful so how do you define authenticity and what are some challenges people face in embracing their authentic selves <laughs> uh this could be a book 
um, <laughs> about the challenges. <laughs> so I I view authenticity as being in a loving relationship with your truth. Um, because all of us change all the time. We have so many varied aspects to ourselves and our personalities. We play different roles. We, I mean, it's fun, right? It's yeah. fun to be, you know, listening to this kind of music one day and this kind the next day or you know, it's just fun. It's fun to be able to change and be different and have mm -hmm. different sides to our identity. So I don't think authenticity is about being the same all the time, mm -hmm. but I do think that it's about being in a loving relationship with your truth. And what I mean by that is that I use the question that I really love. It has to be phrased this way or it doesn't work very well. I'll mm -hmm. just say that up front. And, <laughs> and the question is, what is the loving choice? And so often we don't even know what we really want in the moment. We don't know what's right for us in the moment. And so, you know, if I'm at the fridge and I'm like, I need brownies. And my mind is like, broccoli, you need broccoli. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm never, never going to solve that problem on the level of the mind. Right. And I'm not even going to solve it on the level of my stomach. But I can ask what's the loving choice. And a deeper knowing comes out and tells me the answer. And some days that answer is going to be broccoli. And some days it's going to be brownies because we don't, I'm not here to assess which part of me is making, needs that love, right? right? And some days brownies are love for, yeah. for that part of me. So I really think that when we come to authenticity, it's much more important to be in a really gentle, which I've trained 12 years for and still not quite there, <laughs> relationship with ourselves. Right. And, and a respectful and loving relationship with what's happening and what's true right now. Mm -hmm. And if you want to go dancing off the walls right now, that's authentic to you. If you need mm -hmm. to be in deep silence, that's authentic to you. If you're in a bad mood, that's authentic in the moment. And when we don't judge and shame ourselves for that truth, it's very freeing. It's freeing for ourselves and it's freeing for other people. Because again, we're not, react we're not reacting. We're not getting mm -hmm. defensive about it. We're just like, yeah, this is where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just a phase. Yeah, going through it. Give me 10 minutes. We'll be okay. <laughs> now tell us, how does your background in government strategy inform the way you approach soul coaching? I mean, are there any tools or frameworks from your previous career that you find particularly useful in your current work? Yeah. Yeah, I was really fortunate in the government to be part of a team that came up with a new uh, vision-based planning framework um, that would help the entire U.S. government respond to situations because it used to be, oh, we've got a little bit of money for pencils and we've got a little bit of money in the military. We've got, right. you know, a tiny little bit over here for education. Hey, can you fix this country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, it doesn't really work that way. Right. So we had this moment in time where we, we got to create a new way of planning so that we would actually achieve measurable outcomes that were along the lines of what we would want to see or what a country would want for themselves. And we could support it in much more useful ways. So I, I use that planning framework every single day with clients. I don't talk about it in those terms anymore. Right. I did at the beginning and people's eyes would blaze over. And I'm like, what? You're not obsessed with it? <laughs> um, but basically, it's, it's pretty simple. There's a vision. There are a couple things that go into creating that vision. And those things have to be everything in that little second channel, second mm -hmm. layer down has yeah. to be necessary to achieve the vision. And together they have to be sufficient to achieve the vision. And if it's not necessary, don't get it out of there. Right. And if there's, if it's insufficient, you're missing something. Yeah. And so if we want something like happiness, all of these things might be 
on the way that we approach our career, the relationships we have, our community connection, our connection with our own spiritual sense of self, our ability to handle our emotions, right? The way that we make meaning of our past. So for some people, that those few things are going to be necessary and sufficient to create more happiness. And for others, we might have to look at something else, right? We might have to add something. For some, we might cut something out. But basically... The way I view all all of soul work is is a strategic planning process because that's where we fall. That's where I see us falling through the cracks and making it way too like woo woo and out there. Right. And it's really not. It's really <laughs> the basic planning. Um, the key is we have to get to a high enough vision because so many of us we place a vision like I want to make a million dollars. That's a great goal, but it's yeah. not a vision because it doesn't express how you want to feel and who you want to be. Right. And when we tap into that higher level vision of who you know you are, or on a soul level is even higher, it goes out of the individual and into our community and the way we see the world. Um, then we tap into just a much, much bigger passion mm -hmm. that allows us to have energy that fuels it. And when we align our actions to it, it's it's phenomenal. We, mm -hmm. we move so quickly and we feel so good about the actions we're taking because we know that they're deeply rooted in a truth mm -hmm. for us. Right. Instead of just here I am on the treadmill because I'm trying to lose five pounds, you know, which isn't really a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's good when someone says, you know, what's necessary and whatnot, because again, people go through the routine or they read a book and says, this is what you should do, or, you know, I should focus on this. But it, you know, realizing what's necessary, what's true to you just because you read it in a book. And again, even with anything in life, what works for one might not work for you. So everybody's unique, everybody's different. And you have to find what works for you, what's valuable to you, you know, because maybe a million dollars for someone else will serve this purpose. But for you, you know, maybe a hundred thousand would serve this for you. Like, where are you at and how do you get there? And why do you need it? There's a lot involved. There is. And I, there are a lot of people and I work with them who reach a, a phenomenal level of success financially and socially and are deeply unhappy because we are convinced that money comes along with this this freedom and we think it's going to be the inner freedom to feel happy and it's not what? it's not they you get behind that, that veil of money and you realize you're still the same person and you still have those feelings of emptiness but now you have everything you want and that was my experience in the government. I literally had my dream life and I didn't feel like the person in my dreams. Mm -hmm. And it was so shocking and so alienating because I also felt like I couldn't talk about it because who wants to hear the awesome person with an awesome life saying that they're not happy when everybody mm -hmm. else is striving for that, yeah. right? And so I think being successful can feel really, you can feel really alone. Mm -hmm. And feel like it's just you that is missing something and, and didn't get the memo on how to actually feel fulfilled in life. And, and it's not. It's just our culture of constantly chasing achievements, but never learning how to be in the achievement. That's 100% true. Now, what's exactly. one common, um, <laughs> what's a common misconception people have about finding purpose and joy? And how do you address this in your coaching practice? We just teed this right up, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that purpose and joy are achievements. That the biggest one is that we're somehow going to do our purpose, achieve our purpose, um, and that joy is something that we're also going to achieve. 
And I'll just burst that bubble right now because how many of us have done one degree or one training or this training? And then we're sitting there and everyone's like, oh my God, you must be so thrilled. And we're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're like, what's next? Like why? And it, there's a letdown to that celebration because we, it doesn't feel how we wanted it to feel. Yeah. Um. So I think the biggest thing is, and especially because, you know, I work with purpose all day long as, as an emotional essence. And I'll work with people for years on end and even me and we'll still, and then we'll still go, but wait, what's my purpose? <laughs> so, we're so focused on it being a doing or a career choice, but there are millions of people in the world who are not part of the nine to five world and never will be. And they don't, maybe they're children, maybe they're retired, maybe they're just not able to work in the way that we, we traditionally think about. And they all have purpose too. So purpose can't be about the expression of our career. We can express purpose through career and we can make that more deliberate and more meaningful and more impactful. Mm -hmm. But the idea that that's the only expression mm -hmm. robs you of how you live your purpose in yourself, in your relationships, in your community engagement, in the way that you just show up at the grocery store, yeah. right? You're a whole being. You're not just this one sliver of life. And so getting stuck in that sliver as the only definition of success as a human, um, it really, it can really mess us up. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's a big misconception that purpose is about, is about job. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, again, that's what you're taught that right in school. You have yeah. to study in school to get this job, to make this money. So your, your whole training in life is to have this job, make this money. It's like, yeah, but there's more to life than just that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's on both sides of the spectrum because people who are highly successful then get behind that veil and go, wait, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And people who've been stymied from having the opportunities because for whatever reason, lots of social and cultural reasons and also personal reasons, maybe we got in a car accident, maybe something happened and we diverged over here and never got the opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that doesn't mean they don't have purpose. Right. It doesn't mean they can't live a life of purpose. But when we put it in this narrow confines, it just sets us up to feel miserable on every, every yeah. end of the spectrum. Yeah, but it's good that people can, you know, or not people, you teach people to see that, you know, because most people don't. They just think, well, I didn't, you know, like, again, you're taught in school, you have to do this, this, this. And if you don't accomplish that, you're just like, I'm a failure. If this mom was right, I'll never become anything. It's like, yeah, it's nothing to do with it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, can you share a success story from your coaching practice that particularly moved you or stands out as a turning point for one of your clients? Yeah, I have a lot of clients who come in wanting to start businesses. And so because, again, when we hear purpose, we think about career. Right. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter what I say, that's okay. what's going to happen. Right. Um, and that's fine. Um, so I have a lot of people come in and they're curious about starting their own businesses because they're unhappy in their current career. Right. Um, and I love, I love the people who come in with that because we get to do some deeper work around who they really are and and we start to fill up that cup of joy within them and they start to live from this new place of joy mm -hmm. and when we do that then everything changes right when we live from a new perspective and, and a new energy then we make very different decisions mm -hmm. so i have this beautiful client who came in she hated her job i mean hated her job <laughs> even trying to set up her own business for, I don't know, eight years. I'd actually worked with her four years prior wow. about her business. Um, and she came back four years later and still struggling in the business, still couldn't figure it out. So unhappy, more so now. Um, and 
she really got it this time and really fed herself on a deeper level and did the joy work. And she ended up going back to school, getting a great scholarship, um, like totally, totally changing her life, um, like shifting some of her relationships with her family members that were really contentious and just, yeah, a radical, a radical change. But she's those types of things. (laughs) Yeah, she's happy. Exactly. And those aren't like the best testimonials because you go onto my webpage and it's like, I feel like me. And that means nothing to somebody. (laughs) But for me, that's the best testimonial I could ever see. You feel like you. That's amazing. We got somewhere pretty huge. Um, And for everybody, it's totally different. So, yeah, totally different. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. (laughs) Now, for someone who feels unfulfilled in their current role, but is hesitant to make a change, what advice do you give them to take the first steps towards finding their true purpose? Yeah, I would really, really double down on things on a daily basis that feel good for you. And I don't even mean... I don't even mean that because that probably doesn't make sense to a ton of people, but something that you're doing for you. So when I was really struggling in the government, um, you know, I was in a really dark period. I I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't want to be there, but I knew I had to stay till my retirement, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) The reasons you calculate why you stay somewhere. Um, And so I just realized I couldn't be miserable every day. Right. I had to do something. And so it was small things. It was like, well, this banana that I'm about to eat, I'm going to eat it for me. And this walk that I take at lunch with my coworker today, it's for me. And so I just changed that tiny perception of the the reason I did something. I was going to do it anyway, but I made the reason for me. And that what it does is it's like all the bells in the body go, you're paying attention. You really like it, but it's true. Yeah. And, and the whole being turns on because all of a sudden you're actually caring for yourself. Right. And we talk about self-care, but most of us do self-care as another doing. But self-care is an attentiveness to right. self, right? It's a loving relationship with self. So when we start to claim things as just for you, this sip of water, this cup of coffee, you're going to have your coffee anyway. But let's yeah. make it for you this time. Right. You can give it a dedication. <laughs> it's small <laughs> stuff, yeah. It's so small, but it the the it compounds, right? It's like compounding interest. It, that <laughs> scent compounds every day, and you're looking at a million dollars of energy and joy within a couple months. Maybe that my math is wrong there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it we've got to start paying attention to how you're overlooking yourself every day, and the best way to do that is to not think about all the things you're doing wrong. But to just start to claim one thing every day that's just for you. And it doesn't have to be big. I mean, there are days, literally, I was like, oh, wait, I had a strawberry at lunch. Yep, I'm going to claim that retroactively. (laughs) You know, and it's fine because we're training the brain to think forward about claiming things and backwards. Like, oh, okay, I forgot about myself all day. But now I'm going to claim that I spoke up in a meeting and that was that was for me. And so we're just making everything in our lives slowly but surely for us that is i mean it is clever and it's something that we just like you said we go on autopilot no one's paying attention and so taking that quick second to say hey wait a second you know yeah that is huge it has big impact right (laughs) now before we wrap up where can people find out more about your work and connect with you and also do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with people thank you um my website is alexispierce.com um, I'm also 
pretty much everywhere except for I, I'm Alexis at Alexis Pierce official pretty much everywhere except Twitter because that was one character too long. Um, <laughs> but I'm not really on Twitter anyway, so don't worry about that. <laughs> everywhere else, I'm Alexis Pierce official. Um, and the last thing I would say is that you know, to me, the the biggest thing we can do is stop shaming ourselves for the ways that we feel and the things that we're afraid of and the things that have happened in the past. Like it just, it just, shame is what keeps us trapped in that loop yeah. of not being happy, of not allowing ourselves to feel good. And so if we catch ourselves in it, right, and it's sneaky, it sounds like I should have, if oh. only I had, why did I, right? Those are all shame statements. <laughs> this minute we catch them, we just take a breath because the best thing you can do is just give yourself permission to whatever it is, is here we are right now. And I can take a breath right now. Mm-hmm. And tell us about the book there too. Where can oh, yeah, this <laughs> so it's actually, an, so everyday joy, it's a 90 day journal. So when I was going through that breakthrough <laughs> back when I was in the government, I actually created this process for myself. I put in a little day planner and I had it next to my bed. And every morning I would ask this question of how am I going to celebrate? Mm-hmm. And then every evening I would answer the question, how did you celebrate? And every evening I'd be like, oh, oh, I was supposed to do that today. Yeah. And <laughs> and again, it was about training the mind, just like a dog. You know, you give the dog a smell of something and it's going to go look right. for it. You tell the mind to start looking for joy. It's going to find joy. And so I created this process and it's really, really powerful because when you start to think about everything for yourself, you end up building your confidence, your self-trust, your intuition, your self-love, like all of these things that we all want, but we don't know how to get there. This is the step-by-step process and it is a tiny, tiny step, but it works and it works really quickly too. I've had people, I I run a 30-day live version of this um, to kickstart it a couple of times a year. And even in 30 days, we see pretty massive shifts. So it's a really cool process. And it's not like a, for everyone listening who's like, I don't journal. It's not deep thoughts journal. It's like one or two words a day journal. Yeah. So it's doable. It's doable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Alexis Pierce, soul strategist, life purpose expert, and inner peace activist. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.